Hi, and welcome to the Jordan Kinda Knows Something Show, where I'll be talking about health, fitness, life, and anything else I kinda know something about. everyone and welcome to another episode. Now before we get today's episode started, I want to thank everybody who is listening, who is sharing the podcast with your friends and your family. The podcast hit number 209 on the iTunes charts out in Ireland. Now that could not have happened without all of you guys liking it, all of you guys sharing it, and just listening to the podcast. So thank you all for doing that and I cannot wait to share with you the rest of the season. Now, during today's episode, I talk with Andy Tate. Andy is a nutrition coach, personal trainer, and we talk about so many things today. Weight loss, protein, muscle gain, the keto diet, and a whole bunch more. So be sure to stay tuned and let's get into today's episode. Alrighty. Hello, Andy, and thank you for being on the podcast today. How are you doing? Very good. And thank you for having me. Yeah, no worries. So I've known Andy for a few years now. Um, I don't remember how long, but probably when you first started coaching at CrossFit New West. Um, So like four-ish years ago, four or five years ago now, maybe? Five years ago, yeah. Yeah, wow. It's a long time. But um, for everybody that doesn't know, and maybe anybody listening, um, do you mind introducing yourself and uh, telling us a little bit about you? Yeah, for sure. My name's Andy, and I'm originally from the UK. I moved to Canada in 2015. That's when I started coaching at CrossFit New Westminster and, and met you, Jordan. Uh, so that was five years ago this year. Um, I'm a personal trainer and online nutrition coach as well. I gave up my nine to five job when I left the UK and I came to Canada, and what I wanted to do or make more of a full-time job out of is working as a personal trainer. And so it was something that I did on the side when I was in the UK, a little bit of coaching to just supplement the income. Uh, and I enjoyed it a lot more than doing the regular nine to five work. Um, and that's when I said to myself, when I moved here, that I wanted to really push this and make it more of a, a full-time, full-time job. Um, and so I have had my own challenges when it came, comes to fitness, body image. Um, I listened to your last podcast, actually, that you, that you published a few days ago. <laughs> awesome, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and uh, a lot of it was relatable. You know, I think a lot of people in this industry, whether they want to admit it or not, have had some kind of body image issues. And uh, I certainly fall into that category as well. Um, and so basically, I've had my own transformation. I was kind of a little bit more overweight growing up and um, that led me to be very insecure. I had a pretty bad breakup um, years ago, I, 2007 I think, uh, and that's kind of where I was at a low point. I just decided at that time that I really need to make a change and that's when I got into training and doing everything I could to try and lose weight and the things that I did at that time now looking back, I'm like, what the hell was I thinking by making those decisions? Um, and so I find it's my responsibility in a way to educate others on the best 
healthy ways to lose weight. Um, and that's, and that's what I do now. Awesome. Cool. Um, yeah. So I guess, I guess your kind of journey of losing weight and this body image, how essentially does that relate into how you coach now? Um, if it does in any way. Yeah, it definitely does. Cause I certainly notice working with people, there's always that hidden why behind why people want to lose weight in the first place It's so they can feel more comfortable in themselves, um, more confident and, um, yeah, so I think that a lot of my clients kind of can relate to that. And that's one thing that I try and be transparent about in my social posts and that kind of thing. Um, and I know that some people have signed up with me because I have been open like that. Um, and so when it comes down to that why, it's just kind of working with those people to educate them on what's the most healthy way to lose weight. Because I think a lot of people do have a very skewed idea of what a healthy rate of weight loss is. Um, so research is suggesting between 0.5% to 1% of total body weight loss per week. Now for a 200 pound person, that's a relatively heavy person. They're losing maximum of two pound a week. And so I often see with clients and other people that reach out to me for advice, you know, it's like, Oh, I only lost two pound a week, but, they might weigh 160 pounds. It's like, well, you're already losing like a, a rate of weight loss now, which is potentially a little bit unsustainable. Um, and so I try and make sure that I educate my clients on that front. And I have kind of tracking spreadsheets in place where I can show people like week to week how people are progressing. Cause often when you're in, in the midst of it, you know, you don't realize how much progress you're making. You see the scale go up and down all the time, super frustrating. But then if you zoom out and take a look at the big picture, you know, you can say, we well, look how far you've come in the last 10 to 12 weeks. Um, right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess that education process is the most important. I know when, when I was coaching, education was key. I know now in physio, you know, you need to educate the patient. You need to educate them on um, what to do, on effective ways to um, recover and things like that. So education is key. But I guess I'm wondering, what is, I guess, the hardest thing that you've experienced trying to educate a patient? Because sometimes patients are stuck in their ways, or not patients, with you clients. Um, sometimes clients yeah. are stuck in the ways, or sometimes um, they may come with you with, unrealistic goals let's say so how do you deal with all of that what is your strategy there well when i take people on i will generally i always do a consultation with them uh, and that's when we'll just talk about their goals what they're trying to achieve why they're trying to achieve it and then i will then educate them at that point um, and say i love the fact that you are so dedicated to wanting to lose this weight but you're your idea of kind of how much you want to lose in how much time is not sustainable. Uh, and so I try and when I'm onboarding a new client, figure out, you know, why is it they're trying to lose weight? Is it they're trying to lose weight so they can go on holiday in a few weeks? Or is it like for a wedding or is it for the long term? Um, and, you know, I try and, and just make sure that I'm taking on those clients that are in it for the long term. Mm -hmm. um, and then I will suggest. I know you want to lose this much weight in this many weeks. Here's what I think is a better option. You're going to lose X amount of weight. 
uh, per week on average and we're going to track this and if we don't see the results that we're getting we're either going to work on how you're tracking things or we are going to make adjustments to your to your calories and macros or exercise activity right right now i'm sure like like you were saying there you may get clients that are trying to lose weight in that shorter term um versus people in the more longer term um how how would you differentiate or how would you deal with that someone who is who is wanting to lose weight let's say in the next three months because they have a wedding so um you know that you're going to have them for that shorter term um how do you kind of deal with that situation good question (laughs) For, for three three months looking at around 90 days so people can make some very good progress in in around 12 weeks and and so if it was like one month or six weeks i can just give them the best kind of education on basic nutrition but often it takes you know four weeks to be able to understand how to track macros or how to even track calories and so i try and ask the question do you want to have like sustainable long-term results that are that are sustainable or do you want to have quick results that are not sustainable Um, And always the answer seems to be, I want to have sustainable results over the long term. And so I'm quite lucky with the clients that I've got that have that that mindset. Um, I have had people not sign up with me because I've said to them, I don't think the rate of weight loss that you're after is something that I'm going to be able to help you with because it's not sustainable. And you are a you're going to put yourself at a huge disadvantage when it comes to rebounding from from that you know once you've done this this goal that you've set out to do um and so i think i'm just trying to be as honest as i can mm-hmm. <laughs> with that you know and but to be honest like like you say three months you can do quite a lot in three months and i think that people can learn enough in three months to be able to apply that over the long term regardless of what they're kind of working towards, as long as it fits within the range that I'm happy with, within that 0.5% to 1% body weight loss per week, as long as they're happy to kind of go with that, not do anything too extreme, then I will happily coach them for three months. Right, right. And I really like that whole sustainable thing that you brought up. So people often want more longer term, but to me that also, so we're going to get into this now, but diets. Now, I know there are so many diets out there. I'm sure you have a lot of clients that ask you about diets. Um, what is your take on diets? Um, what do you try to educate your patient, or not your patients? I keep on saying patients, physio here. But what do you try <laughs> to educate your yeah. clients on um, diets? That's a very good question as well. And it's certainly something that comes up a lot. And it's certainly something that I have fallen prey to with my own transformation journeys, because so many people are looking for the quick fix when it comes to this. And this is, again, going back to that unsustainable approach where people's idea of how much weight they can lose in a certain period of time is completely wrong. And it's not anyone's fault. It's not their fault. It's like we're being shoved in our face by social media, like drink this tea, you know, and you're going to lose like 12 pounds in a week. Uh, And so anyway, I have a lot of questions, especially regarding the ketogenic diet. Hmm. That's probably the biggest diet um, name diet that comes up in in conversation with my clients or anyone just reaching out to me. And the ketogenic diet is a very low carbohydrate diet, very high fat diet. 
And so it can totally work as can any diet, as long as it's safe, you're getting the minimum macronutrient requirements for you that your body needs. Uh, so it can function optimally and you're getting the minimum macro requirements and you can stick to it. Right. So whatever the best diet or the best training plan, as you know, is the way, is the one that you can stick and adhere to. Right. Yeah. And so there's different diets. So the ketogenic diet, you strip out a lot of carbohydrate. You have very, very minimal carbohydrate. It's very difficult for social situations. If you like, if you have a sweet tooth, if you like carbohydrate, if you go a lot of social events, it's a very difficult diet to stick to. But yet it's this kind of dangling carrot although you probably won't be allowed carrots. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's this like low hanging fruit because you get such a huge amount of weight loss, especially in the first couple of weeks. And there's a difference between weight loss and fat loss. And this is where people um, are, are so quick to jump to do it because they see other people do it and they see their weight significantly decrease within two weeks and what that actually is it's a shift in the amount of water that's being held in the system because carbohydrate it gets stored in your muscle tissue with glycogen when your glycogen is getting stored one gram of glycogen stores with it three to four grams of water mm -hmm. so if you if you cut down carbohydrates your body will be less hydrated your muscle tissue is going to be less hydrated now that's not necessarily a bad a bad thing but you will see a dramatic decrease in the weight, especially in the first couple of weeks as a result of that. Even when my clients start working with me, I advise them, hey, like in the first week, because you are probably going to be eating less carbohydrates than you have been. And I don't do a low carb approach at all, but I just advise them that probably you're going to be eating slightly less carbohydrate than you have been. And you will see a decrease in the first week that is not going to continue on. So it's almost like we're going to take that first week, throw it out the door, and we're going to start our tracking on the second week going forward to see if that is in line with kind of what we're aiming for. So the ketogenic diet, if you can stick to it, and if you don't go out too often, or if you do go out and there's things that you can eat, you're going to see, you can definitely see good results, mm -hmm. but there's no benefit to any other calorie restricted diet. And the way you're restricting calories on keto is by cutting the carbohydrates out of your diet. Right. Right. Yeah. And I'm sure kind of the bounce back or that weight gain after is significant once you start implementing all of those things. And I think that's, that's to go with any diet. Um, but why do you think, why do you think carbs are so demonized right now? I mean, it's been, it's been a long, like carbs have always been demonized, I think. And I think there's this lack of education maybe on them. Maybe I just answered that question, but um, why do you think people are so afraid of carbs um, currently, or what's your experience um, with that? I honestly don't know how this being scared of carbohydrate right. thing has been around, but it yeah. has been since I can remember. Yeah. Uh, I remember there was a TV show in the UK. Uh, I think it was called The Only Way is Essex. If anyone remembers that show, they'll probably <laughs> remember this. There, it was like a group of lads, um, yeah. girls and guys that would, it was like a, like a reality kind of TV show kind of uh -huh. thing. And they were all going to go on holiday to a place called Marbella, which okay. is in Spain. Yeah. And anyway, 
in the lead up in this TV show, they were like, oh, no carbs before mobs. That's what they kept saying. No carbs before Mars because they were saying like, we want to get in shape for our holiday. So we're not going to eat carbohydrates. Right. Right. Basically. And I think that it, it probably has come from miseducation, like you say, also because it does have an impact on the day to day of day to day fluctuations on the scales. Mm, Yeah. So you have more, slightly more carbohydrate the next day you might be slightly heavier and you're like, Oh, bloody carbs, you know, that kind of thing. And man, I don't know. My, even my parents, like, if you want to lose weight, don't eat carbs after six o'clock. Yeah. As if it's the magic formula of weight loss, you know, just don't mm-hmm. eat carbs after a certain time. Uh, or like, oh, you shouldn't eat bread. Uh, and so I honestly don't know where this whole thing originated from. Mm-hmm. But it's certainly, I find, when I tell my clients, hey, you can have carbs, and they are excited about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, you're not going to cut my carbs. And I'm like, we're just going to find something that works for you basically. Right. And, right. and that often includes a good amount of carbohydrates and it's carbohydrates give you incredible amounts of fuel to train your workouts mm-hmm. and give you energy. It's the body's preferred energy source. Yeah. Um, and uh, most carbohydrates like healthy carbohydrates are very filling. You know, you eat right. a lot of vegetables, starchy vegetables. They're very filling. They're going to make you yeah. feel full and it can actually help quite a lot on a diet as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I'm sure too, like you said, the education, you know, people eating half a loaf of bread versus a broccoli um, or like an entire broccoli stem, that's probably a lot different. And people not having that education about the types of food that they're putting in their body. I mean, I don't even know, like there's some people, or I know when me, myself, when I first really started paying attention to nutrition, um, I didn't even think about, oh, vegetables are considered carbs. You know what I mean? So like, I just thought a vegetable was a vegetable. I didn't really think of it through a macronutrient point of view. (laughs) So I was like, okay, if I just replace all of this rice or all of this bread that I'm eating or all of these unhealthy carbs that people consider unhealthy then with vegetables, then there you go. That's good. And your body processes it in in a different way. So, um, so yeah, I think it's definitely, I agree. Education and even the media, but now when you first have a client or when a client approaches you and wants to lose weight or wants to gain muscle or whatever um, they may come to you for, what is your first focus or where essentially do you start with the client? When I first bring a client on and we've done the consultation, I've figured out their goals, whether that is to lose weight, to gain muscle. Some people can do both. Um, The next step really is obviously I gather a little bit more information about their energy requirements. Mm -hmm. And so I have um, a tracking, not a tracking spreadsheet, I have a calculator that I use mm-hmm. to calculate people's BMR and activity levels to give me a number of calories that they will burn on average per day. And uh, that's actually something that I offer. For, that's a that spreadsheet that I use, you can download for free via my Instagram. Right. Um, and so a lot of the things that I do with my clients is very transparent on my Instagram. I do the same things that I, I say on there. Uh, so that's where I would start. I'd calculate the number of calories that they need. Obviously get that information from them. Have they tracked calories before? Have they done it recently? If they have done it recently, what were their numbers? And how was, their, how was the scale weight affected? How did they feel on those 
did they feel there was a good fit? Um, and then in the same form, if they, if they haven't had a, if they haven't done it before where they've tracked their calories, then I would just ask them, do they have a preference, whether it's high fat or low fat or no preference? Mm-hmm. Most people will put no preference. I found, mm-hmm. I don't think anyone's put low fat yet. Yeah. <laughs> Most people are either high fat or, or no preference, but, um, right. so the, the next step then is I would calculate how many calories they would need theoretically. Uh, and then I would get someone that's never tracked calories before to start tracking their track calories for the first two to four weeks, focus on the calories first. Then once they get comfortable with tracking, that's when we would transition into tracking the macronutrients as well. Right. Right. So when you're tracking calories, um, how do you get them to do that? Is it through an app? Is it through that spreadsheet that you've created? They do it through my fitness pal, because I think to be honest, that, that app has the biggest database of foods on there. For sure. Yeah. Uh, and so it just seems to be the easiest, you know, you scan it and it's in there. It's so easy. Once you get used to it, it's so easy, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And it could be a anything, bit of a process. But. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything that um, people need to pay attention to when they're tracking their foods or are they just generally, or should they just generally track them in the beginning? Well, I think that it should be just a bit of a learning process to get there, but obviously people will need a kitchen scale and people will need to measure ideally in grams right. for, for anything that they can, because that's going to be the most accurate way of measuring. Right. I've had some people will start to just eyeball things straight away. Yeah. And then they come back to me and I say, well, how, how have you been tracking it? And they say, oh, I just kind of guess how many grams is in there. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, you've never tracked before. So how, yeah. how on earth do you know? And yeah. then once they start with the actual weighing weighing it in grams yeah um it's it's just that extra level of uh accuracy and then as you go on you know you can transition away from using the scale quite so often and just kind of eyeballing things because then you do have a an idea of kind of how much something is roughly Uh, as long as you're seeing the 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 goal that you wanted to see as long as that's happening, then you can just continue with however you're doing it. But if you're not, that's when you might need to come back and be a little bit more uh, accurate with, with your measurements and stuff. But one thing that, that I find very confusing, being a British guy living yeah. in Canada, Canada, is I find it so strange that people measure things in cups. Okay, yeah. <laughs> you know, like for some things, I'm like, okay, yeah, one cup is that, or like whatever, liquid maybe. Yeah. But then if I find something on my fitness pal and it's like chicken thigh and it's like one cup of chicken thigh. Right, right, yeah. Like, <laughs> how much chicken thigh how can much, I yeah, fit in push into this thing? <laughs> that's, well, that's actually something that's weird about now here in Australia because everything's in grams and milliliters and all of those measurements and i'm like or even buying like measuring cups everything's in those and i'm like okay i just want half a cup of this like i don't yeah. i don't know what this means and it's still it's been like over six months now and i'm still trying to get used to the opposite yeah um but what i what about fats i know you said last or you said before that you give them a preference if they want low fat high fat um, what is the benefits of fats? Why should people be paying attention to them? Well, fats are necessary 
for your body to function properly in terms of your brain function and your hormones. And so there is a minimum amount of fat that you should be eating on a daily basis. And I think that's 0.25 grams per pound of body weight is a good um, minimum to go by. That's not necessarily an optimum number, but that's a minimum. Uh, And so, uh, sorry, protein and fats are needed. And I don't think carbohydrates are needed quite as much because your body can function from the ketones. Mm -hmm. Uh, Going back to that whole uh, ketogenic diet, that's why that's possible to have such a low carbohydrate diet Mm because I think that might be the macronutrient your body doesn't actually need or can produce itself through ketones. But yeah, yeah, your body needs these macronutrients. And that's another benefit of tracking is to make sure you're getting the minimums. Mm -hmm. Um, But what I generally see with people is they're not under eating fat. Some people are under eating fat. um, But most people are overeating fat. And when I first start with people, they most people, most of my clients will message me and say, oh my goodness, I can't believe how little protein I've been eating uh, and how much fat I've been eating. Right, right. Uh, and it's just because fat is so calorie dense, mm, you know? Yeah, yeah. Look at like a one serving of peanut butter and it's just depressing. Yeah, <laughs> I know. And what I find interesting too is, um, do, or do you find also that it's the foods, like you were saying, it's the foods that people are eating, but is it, is there any education there that people are um, lacking through the types of foods? So the sources of fats versus proteins, for example, what are you experiencing there? I think it's just the fact that there's so many hidden calories in things. Mm -hmm. Um, And a prime example of this would be like a salad kit that you can buy. It's like any kind of standard salad kit that comes with a dressing. Yeah you know, the salad itself is probably like for a big bag, you know, probably about a hundred calories just for the salad. But then you've got like 400 calories worth of (laughs) topping and, and, and uh, like a salad dressing. Yeah. And so I think a lot of people think they're eating healthy, but you know, they're not, they're not aware of the hidden calories and also just not having an awareness of macronutrients in general. Right. Is a big eye opener for people. Right. Right. Um, now, when people are going through this journey, it again, it's a journey, right? It, it can be longer term, it can be shorter term. But yeah. um, sometimes I've experienced, I know with myself or with my old clients, um, people hit this plateau, right? Where they reach kind of a certain point and then they plateau and then it's almost like they're stuck. I know I personally reach that all the time. Um, what is kind of your tips or where, how do you go about that when someone is plateauing and they're not quite sure what's going on and where to go from there? Um, how do you kind of deal with those kind of things? Yeah, that's a good point. And often that can be make or break, right? That can be where someone's just like, this is not working anymore, or this isn't working. Nothing's working. I give up. Um, but just because the potentially the weight on the scales isn't moving or just because you're not making progress for a week doesn't mean that you're not 
actually making progress towards your goal. Um, You know, your, your body builds up a certain amount of inflammation as you train regularly. If you're stressed as well, all these factors can have an impact on weight uh, measurements, your training intensity levels. There's so many things that go into having an impact and often just someone doing it on their own would see, oh, it's not working anymore. I give up. But that's kind of where working with a coach can be quite helpful because you're going to have someone there to say, Hey, like just chill. Let's just keep going for another week or so and see what happens. If it changes, great. Just focus on like not getting stressed, focus on like good stress management. Um, Perhaps take a deload week if you're training quite intensely Uh, that can be a really good one actually Um, and and then if nothing else changes you know maybe we do need to adjust your your targets and either increase your activity a little little more Mm -hmm. or decrease your calorie intake a little more because when you do a a specific uh, diet whether you are eating in a calorie deficit or a calorie surplus there is something called metabolic adaptation that occurs. And basically if you're in a calorie deficit, your metabolism is going to slow down to kind of meet the current needs of your body. And also it's trying its best not to burn as many calories as possible. Right. Right. And so there's something in part of your metabolism is made up by your general day-to-day movements and it's something that is just like picking things up, twitching, moving around day to day, all that kind of thing. It's called, considered neat, non-exercise right. activity thermogenesis. And so that's the biggest thing to change when you're on a diet in terms of your metabolism adapting. So let's say that you are uh, in a calorie deficit. You've been in a calorie deficit for like, I don't know, four months there's going to be some metabolic adaptation and you might find that you are just generally moving a little bit less every day because your body's just trying to burn less calories. Uh, And so that's where, okay, increase activity or maybe make some changes to your, to your calories. The same is the case for if you're in a calorie surplus. So if you're trying to build muscle, the best way to do that is to be in a slight calorie surplus. Um, But here's the thing when you add calories, you, you start to move more without realizing it. Right. You know, once yeah. you were just sitting down all day and now you're like twitching around, moving yeah. a lot more, you know, <laughs> and so your body is adapting to the amount that you're kind of feeding it. Yeah. Uh, and so you might not actually be in a calorie surplus or calorie deficit anymore. Right. Because your metabolism is trying to get to that equilibrium. Right. Right. Okay. Okay. So, I mean, yeah, the body is amazing in the sense that it adapts. It adapts very quickly. Even the nervous system, right? Like your nerve, all of your nerves adapt, um, the muscular system, everything adapts super fast. The body um, is amazing like that. But going into training, um, there can be a misconception out there around training. Um, I know when I first started training, there was that misconception. I know, again, when I was coaching, there was this misconception, but I often found that people don't necessarily match up training with nutrition. So they think there's only one side of things. They think, okay, if I'm going to the gym, for example, 
two times a day, or I need to, I need to add X amount of hours of training into my day to lose this weight. Um, they may think that that compensates for the nutrition, for example. Um, what is your experience with that? Have you found clients kind of coming in and seeing you with that mindset and kind of how do you go about, about clients like that? If so. I think I have definitely been there in the past where myself, when I've been trying to lose weight and it's like, well, I've got to do two sessions a day now, right? you know, and it's like, you're just training out of fear almost of looking a certain way. And, um, that's just, it's very difficult to deal with that. And kind of going back to your last podcast that, that you did that I listened to, about the body image issues and uh, mental health issues and that kind of thing. And being there's something that you said where it's like, okay, there's things that you kind of need to fix first sometimes. Right. And sometimes, although you might be able to do it in conjunction, it is trying to figure out a way of how can you do this healthily because training twice a day, I know this isn't quite your question in terms of the nutrition as well, but like, if you are training twice a day out of fear of gaining weight yeah. or not losing weight, yeah, that's a very difficult situation to be in. And like, you need to reframe your kind of mindset because right. sometimes less is more with that kind yeah. of thing. Um, and, and you're right. I think people do try and out, out train a bad diet. Yeah. I did for years. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I still sometimes know. do to be honest. <laughs> yeah, totally. And it's like, it's, it's, it is probably the fit. I certainly do out of like fear of going back to that same Andy that I was yeah. after that breakup when I was at university, you know, kind of when people would like pick jokes at me about kind of being a little bit chubby. Uh, I kind of train out of fear still right. to this day, you know, to a certain degree of, I don't want to look that way again. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, the reality is you could train twice a day and you could see some temporary results. Mm-hmm. But then what about when you can't train twice a day? Like what if right. you don't have time? Yeah. You know, like for example, I can't train twice a day now I've got a family, yeah. Yeah. you know? And so you have to, you have to find some way of finding a sustainable route to whatever your goal is and just general health mm-hmm. and being able to have, have that approach for the rest of your life if you would like to maintain it. And so that's when the nutrition comes in. Right. Of, you know, you have to, you have to be fueling your body with good quality whole foods, 80% of the time and you have to, or you don't have to, but it's beneficial for you health wise to maintain a healthy weight. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 And like, yeah, like you were saying, there's, I think there's definitely a fear aspect, especially if you reach your goals or you're coming closer to your goals, you don't ever want to go back to that, to that way. I know, like you were saying, I definitely still sometimes have that kind of mindset of the fact that, okay, I need to train more because I'm reversing or something like that. Or I may not have a lot of time to train. So I may spend maybe 30 minutes in the gym opposed to my normal 45 minutes. And there's also that guilt aspect that kind of comes into play. So I think that's, yeah, that's very important for people to kind of 
understand that a everybody's bodies could be different and everybody's bodies could adapt differently and b you can't really out train a diet you know you can try but it's going to be super hard to and sustainability it's going to be hard to train like again if you're spending if you're needing to spend let's say two to three hours out of your day to train to try and out train that diet i mean for me i do 45 minutes in the gym if i go to like crossfit class it's 60 minutes but that's because as a master's of physics student that's the only time i have out of the day like i don't have time to spend hours in the gym anymore um so yeah, I think it's it's very much more uh, sustainable if you focus on that diet and look at everything as a whole. Um, I like that. But one um, one thing that I wanted to go into was someone coming to work with you or someone, let's say, looking at things or someone being an athlete, let's say, versus somebody coming in and um, just kind of your general recreational athlete or just your general average Joe, um, how, how are those two things different? You know, does, does that average person need to be thinking or need to be training the same way as that athlete or eating, let's say? Well, it obviously depends on the, the athlete, what the sport is, right. how much they train, if they are recreational, if they're competitive. I would say, generally speaking, athletes that come to me have had some exposure to tracking. And so in that sense, things can get started a little quicker. Mm -hmm. Um, I will probably put more emphasis on higher protein, higher carbohydrate, make Mm -hmm. sure they're getting the minimum amount of fat. And then it's really about giving them the protein that their body needs to build muscle or maintain muscle, and then giving them the carbohydrates that they need to fuel their workouts. which is super important to them. Um, Obviously, a lot of athletes might have body composition goals as well. Mm -hmm. uh, And that's where we tweak things there. But as long as they're getting the minimum amount of fats, obviously a little bit based on their preference, they might be more willing to go to something that's more optimal over Mm -hmm. preference, kind of meet in the middle with that. Um, And I would put a little bit more emphasis as well on meal timing around their workouts. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I guess the mindset is probably different too. Like like that meal timing, that's uh that's something that I think is something that athletes need to pay attention to. Their goals are different, right? I think it all comes down to goals. Um you kind of have to work your day around what you're wanting to achieve. And an athlete athlete's goal is sometimes a little bit different. The amount of time that they spend at the gym is sometimes a little bit different and what they're doing generally is different right so um that's super important to note because i know there's definitely there's definitely posts that i've seen out there or podcasts that i've listened to that have kind of brought the idea of everyday people needing to think more like athletes or needing to train more like athletes and i don't necessarily agree with that i think it just comes down to your goal and the way that an athlete trains i mean yeah there may be some aspects of like the mentality for example that people can implement in their in their day but even if you look like an elite level athlete i think i listened to a podcast the other day of like a three-time gold medalist um she was a swimmer and she said when she was training for the olympics the way that she her mindset was and the way that she trained was a lot different than her now she's in retirement and there are things that she implements now but like 
in general, she doesn't need to do everything that she was doing as an athlete. Um, but the the final, I guess, macronutrient that I wanted to uh, talk about was protein. So we did carbs and fats, um, protein. Now, do you ever do you does some do you ever find any misconceptions around protein? Protein is huge now, and I find sometimes there is this huge misconception around protein. And sometimes, I mean, I fall in, um, I've fallen into this trap too and thought that I've needed way, way, way more protein than was attainable for me or way, way more protein than I actually needed, depending on like my goals, depending on how much I train. So um, what's your experience with that and how do you educate people around protein? Great question. And it again comes down to if they are someone that trains athletic or even strength training, resistance training type of things. Again, I think a minimum for that is like 0.35 grams per pound of body weight would be a a good minimum amount of protein per day. Um, But it, again, it comes down to preference and taking someone that has been eating like 60 grams of protein per day to say like you need to eat 180 grams of protein per day it's like oh my goodness (laughs) there's no way like protein is it's the most expensive macronutrient and it's it's the hardest one to eat a lot of Mm -hmm. isn't it yeah yeah it is with like even if you're doing it with like, especially if you're doing it without supplements or without all of that, and you're against all of that, then it's super hard. And it's, yeah, like, I think some people just think that they need, like, like you said, that 180 grams. I personally, there was a point where I was overeating in protein, and it came down to like me needing to eat two or three protein shakes per day just to get that amount. But A, it didn't really do anything for my performance. It didn't do anything for my body. And B, I think it was a lack of education there. I thought this was what I needed. Um, And I think it was like a value that I calculated or whatnot, but there's a range, right? There's a range of what you need. And I think I just automatically went to that high range because I was like, that's going to that's going to be better. The more I eat, the more better. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Um, But um, yeah. So somebody coming to see you, and struggling to get, let's say, X amount of protein in, how would your approach there be? Well, I think most people struggle to get protein in at the first mm-hmm. hurdle. Yeah. And that's where I say most of my clients will email me and say, I can't believe how much fat I've been eating, yeah. and how little protein I've been eating. And it's just like, okay, we'll just try and get a little bit closer to that right. every, every week. And don't stress about not getting it yet. again it's kind of like what can we do that's going to be optimal um Mm -hmm. for that for that person based on their preferences but protein is important Mm -hmm. uh it is important for building muscle your muscle is made up of protein and so making sure that you have enough amino acids in your blood system kind of on an ongoing basis is important for muscle protein synthesis which is kind of the building repairing muscle tissue mm-hmm. and so it's important um but yeah you i think the healthy or the range for kind of optimum 
for building muscle would be 0.8 to 1.2 grams. That's that's what I was. Yeah, I think that was what I was calculating. And I was like, the 1.2, I'm going to do that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so it doesn't always work for everyone either. And so sometimes it's better to just do it off your estimated lean body mass. Mm -hmm. So kind of whatever you weigh without your body fat. And so Mm -hmm. obviously you would have to estimate that, but I'd say if someone comes to me and they work out a lot and they should be eating around 0.8, I say naught, but I don't know if you, you guys in Canada say naught actually it's 0.8. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, No, we don't. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Naught naught means zero. Okay. Zero. Okay. Zero point eight. So go eight back to, throughout this whole podcast, everybody. No means zero. Yeah. If you're like, what the bloody hell is he talking about? Yeah. Uh, okay. So, zero point eight yeah. to one gram per pound of body weight. I don't push it up much higher than one one gram per pound um, right. because it's just it's pretty. Uh, it's you can't eat that much protein. Let's be real. Because yeah. even I supplement with protein shakes. I'm. I kind of limit myself at two protein shakes a day uh, and often I'm still under and it's very difficult as well as if, if you do intermittent fasting or any kind of meal timing like that, like where you're skipping a meal, don't eat breakfast. It's even harder to get the amount of protein that you kind of need in there. But when I have my clients come on, it's like, okay, we're going to aim for this amount, which Mm -hmm. is lower for the Mm -hmm. first few weeks. And then we're going to increase protein as we go. Mm -hmm. Um, But the biggest in most important factor when it comes to body composition goals, whether that's weight loss, weight gain, even maintaining body weight, the most important factor is calories. Right. And so calories should be the first thing that people pay attention to. And then the macronutrients is kind of optimizing that. Uh, and then meal timing comes right. and micronutrients come after that. After. Right. Okay. Okay. I do get a lot of questions like, Oh, I've kind of, I've hit my calorie allowance for the day right. i didn't hit my protein intake so should i up should i have a protein shake right and the answer is no if you're trying to lose or gain or maintain weight if you've met your calories yeah. that's the most important factor for you you don't need to increase or have another protein serving right to get your protein if you've already, if it's going to put you over your calories calories right okay okay yeah, yeah that's that's a good thing because like you said it's it's hard to get that that amount of protein in and I think it's again some people I think for some people it's like the be all end all if they don't hit that x amount of protein it's kind of like a failure or that they're not going to get the results that they want um so yeah that's that's definitely good to know um hit that calorie goal and if it puts you over then why why do it yeah um but I know we talked a lot about weight loss. Have you ever had someone come into you that wants the opposite, that wants muscle gain, for example? I have, yeah. yeah. I think most people would come to me or have come to me for weight loss because right. that's kind of what I post a little bit more about and that's kind of what my, mm. my experience has been. Right. Uh, right. And so that's kind of what, I've kind of gravitated towards helping me helping people with, but yeah, yeah, when it comes to, when it comes to gaining muscle, I have had a few people reach out to me and some people do struggle to gain weight. Right. Um, 
and and so it can be very difficult to put on any kind of weight right. uh, if you're if you have that kind of metabolism where you are just burning a, a huge amount of calories your body doesn't want to naturally eat a lot of food so it's mm-hmm. very difficult for you to 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 build muscle right right so does that just come down to calories essentially then yes yeah. again it's it does but it's not right. always as as simple as that okay when if you're trying to put on muscle then a slight calorie surplus is what's needed to do that. So if you want to gain weight, you need to eat more calories than your body burns. Then it's making sure you're fueling yourself. Obviously you have to be doing resistance training, right? Yeah. Uh, You have, it has to be kind of a progressive overload, which is where you are looking to increase your, your um, intensity, or your performance right. over time, whether that's right. more reps at the same weight, whether that's heavier weight at the same reps, more sets. Mm-hmm. And, and so over time, you just want to be doing more and more volume with your resistance training. And right. then with your, with your nutrition, it's about how quick can you recover those muscles mm. right. uh, and how can you fuel those muscles to grow? Uh, and then how can you follow it and be consistent because it takes a long time as well yeah yeah okay okay now the final thing that i want to discuss is social media social media is huge um and i'm sure a lot of people come to see you through social social media i'm sure people try to get their advice for social media um what is one tip that you may give to someone who is trying to get their i guess information through social media what is one thing that they should be looking for um when they're searching instagram or facebook or the internet if they are searching for nutrition advice and training advice for themselves yeah yeah i would say don't fall prey to the quick fix schemes right okay you know because there's people out there that are trying to make money off of your insecurities right and yeah Yeah. you know whether they know it or not you know they might have a they might have a a good heart and they might actually believe in their product. But Mm -hmm. a lot of the time it's like, I'm sorry, but drinking a certain amount of green tea. Yeah. It's like (laughs) you you might lose some weight, a lot of muscle and like feel awful during it's just not sustainable. And so Mm -hmm. I would just try and find information that's backed by scientific principles right you know if it sounds too good to be true it probably is probably uh, and okay. find yeah. the people that you can relate to mm-hmm. and find find someone who's who like really resonates with with what you're going through and has a genuine interest in helping you as a person right. you know there's so many people out there putting out really helpful information that don't ask for anything in return mm, maybe yeah. they do have a coaching system as well for those people that want to take it an extra bit further yeah um but the information especially the stuff that i put out like you could take everything that i put out apply it to yourself mm. yeah. uh, and it's going to work in the long right. run but obviously holding yourself accountable is a lot yeah it's a different story you know what i mean yeah um, yeah the other thing is i know it's kind of going back to something we were talking about earlier and about once you get to that end goal it's like then what it's like you must understand as well this whole the whole learning process the journey itself is where the fun is and where right. like the fulfillment is it's not yeah. at once you get to like x body 
body fat percentage or yeah. like it, it really is enjoying the process and taking what you are learning and applying it every day yeah. being consistent and patient even doing the things day to day when you don't want to do it you know doing those things as, as little as they are don't beat yourself up if you're not able to do it um, and apply things that you are going to do even once you do get to your goal right right yeah that's you know that's I mean? very good advice yeah and i really like how you said that there are people out there that maybe maybe kind of playing to your insecurities or maybe putting out things even things that work for them that may not necessarily work for you you know that's everybody's yeah. body is going to be different and i think you understanding that and you making sure that you know that okay this person is let's say selling this product or this person is doing this that works for them okay maybe you can try it um or maybe just research that and know that okay it may not be beneficial for you i know for me for example um intermittent fasting was something that i tried once um for a couple months and it was not for me i am not a morning person in general so that just really didn't work for me in the mornings. Um, I'm someone who wakes up super early in the morning as well. So me being hungry for longer in the morning was not a good thing. And I worked in the morning as well. So all of oh, my man. clients and patients um, probably did not like Jordan morning versus afternoon Jordan. Right. Um, Once you had something to eat. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, that was just something simply like because of my schedule and all of that that didn't work for me. So there are so many things that I guess people need to take into account when they're looking at that. And kind of, I really like how you mentioned backed up by science. I think that's super important to note. Um, everything, or not everything, but most things need to be backed up by science. And that's where kind of things can be validated and things like that. So, and I really yeah. like... I really like your Instagram. Your Instagram's awesome. And Thank like you, you were much, saying man. earlier in the podcast, you're very transparent on the things that you post and things align with like how you match up with things that you give to your clients versus things that are out on free through your Instagram. So yeah. Um, yeah, that was cool. But where can people find you, Andy? Where can people find you on social media, um, for example? Right now, I'm mostly on Instagram. And my Instagram handle is at Coach Taters. Taters okay. is spelled T-A-I-T-E-R-S. Okay. Uh, Tate yep. is my surname, hence Coach okay. Taters. It's a bit Taters. of a nickname. <laughs> I, yeah, Taters. Yeah. Um, and so that's where I am mostly right now. Mm -hmm. I would like to develop a, a YouTube channel at some point. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Um, but it's... I'm kind of scared. So yeah. I haven't done it yet. <laughs> it's all good fun. It's all good fun. Um, yeah, cool. Yeah. And that will be in the show notes below everybody to listening. Um, so yeah, his Instagram down there um, and definitely check that out and you can definitely contact him through there and all of that. Totally. Um, but thank you. Thank you so much, Andy, for being on the show today. It was a uh, really pleasure. fun talking to you. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Likewise. I enjoyed it. Thank you. So again, everything will be in the show notes, everybody. And um, thank you again, Andy. All right, everyone. That is it for today's episode. Once again, be sure to check out all of Andy's contact information as well as his Instagram in the show notes below. He posts some amazing things. And 
it's just awesome the what he is doing with his Instagram. I thank everybody for listening and I am super excited to share with you the next episode and the rest of the season. See you next Tuesday.